When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're live, folks. All right. All the way back. Got a couple people in the chat already. Sade, what's up? I know Sade is a big fan, and she always wants to catch it live. And she's catching it live today. I know we've done this at different times, so people never really know. But I try to put it out there a couple hours in advance on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever. Um, Live for your head top. Yeah, she said, let's go. I'm finally able to catch a live episode of Talking Nets. What's up, Keith? It's been a minute. Glad you decided to continue with the pod and you found some awesome co-hosts. Yes, sir. Jared in there, always. Notification squad. Repping the New York Yanks. All right. Let's get a couple more people. I see some people jumping in. And uh, all right. Here we go. Once Hudson sits down. Hit the intro in one, two, and... Wait, wait, wait. We're doing that Brooklyn Nets, Brooklyn talk. Nets talk right here on Talking Nets. Brooklyn, we go hard. We go, go hard. Talking Nets. Hosted by Keith McPherson, Robin Lundberg, and Hudson Flynn. The interview, the, the intro is growing on me. Mm-hmm. It's growing on me. <laughs> it just changes it, right? We go yeah. from being in like a Zoom meeting to being like, oh, we're about to yeah. do a show. Right. Plus right. when the, the vibes are better around the team, like it's hard when you're hearing that kind of music and inside right. of your head, you're just like, oh man, this is the worst. This is a, 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 a flaming dramatic dumpster fire. And now it's like, this team's inspiring. You know what? Let me Let me just start with this. I look forward to watching the Nets play basketball now. I'm excited for this West Coast change. trip. They're going to play what some good change. teams. Well, they're playing the Lakers. <laughs> well, the Lakers <laughs> the Lakers are, I don't know. Uh, and we'll get to LeBron in a minute. Yes, sir. Welcome back to Talking Nets. Episode 170. Knicks can't beat us. Like, it's just obvious. Uh, it's eight in a row. Uh, their fans are running out of things to say. I listened to WFAN today, and they're just talking about the Knicks stink. Nobody cares. Nobody. Oh, now nobody cares. Now nobody cares. I get it, right? Nobody cares about the Nets. Nobody cares about the Knicks. Which one well, is it? Which one is it? People care more about the Nets than any basketball team in the NBA. Let's let's be real. <laughs> yeah, let's be real about it right now. If you were to like to, if you were to, if there was a way to quantify words spoken, words written, you know, social media interaction, videos posted, whatever the case may be, the Nets lead the league. Absolutely. So, what's up, guys? Ne- How you never doing? lost. <laughs> <laughs> never lost ben simmons undefeated never lost 15 and 0 <laughs> all right so let's get into it man the nets beat the knicks last night they beat the brakes off them it was 38 22 in the first quarter and i'm looking around my apartment like i'm by myself i'm like i thought that this was the chance that the knicks had right i don't know why i guess i buy into the hype from the internet and their fans we got a point guard i've watched a couple knicks games i've seen jalen brunson for years and they're coming off a game where they put up 120 points against the Timberwolves. So I'm thinking they're going to battle. 
And all of these Nets-Knicks games over the last couple years have come down to the last seconds, the last minute, but not this time. Uh, Yesterday, Jacques Vaughn gets announced as head coach. They take the interim tag away, and boom, Nets world is reacting. And honestly, I didn't react well to it because first off, and we'll go around the horn, but I'll start. I looked at it as these guys were supposed to hire Ime last week, but with all the nonsense around Kyrie and the firestorm and the PR crisis, they can't do that, right? Woj reported on it. Shams reported on it. But they absolutely can't add more fire to this right now. Okay, Jacques Vaughn, for me, I'm going to give him a second opportunity to change my mind on him. Uh, I just feel like we already did this after Kenny Atkinson was fired. He was the guy. He led the bubble nets, but these are not the bubble nets. These are no, They're nothing like the bubble nets. I think the only bubble net that's on these nets is Joe Harris. So he's got these guys believing, and they're not acting. The biggest thing for me was seeing how they responded last night and then the clips that the Brooklyn Nets posted of the players talking about Jacques Vaughn postgame, the energy he brings, and then even KD as Jacques Vaughn's trying to just like, you know, break the locker room down and send these guys on their way into a day off. KD stops everyone and he takes the game ball and he awards it to Jacques Vaughn and he says, hey, the interim tag has been taken off. That's your first win as head coach this year. Let's go, Jacques Vaughn. And everyone seemed very excited about that. What did you think yesterday, Robin? I am now a Jacques Vaughn stan. Uh, in the standom of Jacques Vaughn. What a likable guy. I mean, he's so damn likable. And, and then I like the move for a couple of reasons. One, you know, you have this stretch of games, and you don't want to overreact to a small stretch of games. But I love the way they're playing. Like, they're playing connected. They're playing with shared purpose, shared energy. I also like some of the in-game decisions he's made, calling quick timeouts when the other team starts a run, calling a timeout to set up a strategic advantage as to where you're inbounding the ball, separating Nick Claxton and Ben Simmons, bringing Ben Simmons off of the bench, starting Edmund Sumner, you know, we'll get it, bringing Cam Thomas, dusting him off. We'll, we'll get into a, a lot of that specific stuff, but just some of those decisions I like. And then it's just like a, it's a drama-free move rewarding someone who has paid his dues. Jacques Vaughn has experience. You can't say he doesn't. Obviously, he's got a good demeanor. And then you, you just said it there, Keith. You see the way the team is responding to him, giving him the game ball, ha- genuinely happy for him. I don't know how you can possibly be mad at the, the hiring, having seen what we've seen. Yeah, I agree. And I understand the initial reaction from Nets fans not necessarily being overwhelmed by this hire. You jump back to when he was uh, most recently, or or second to most recently, the interim, and he was one of the odds-on favorites to get the job over Steve, or you know, with Steve Nash. And then Steve Nash comes out of the blue, and that's like, wow, the Nets are really serious. They bring in a Hall of Famer, all this stuff, all this hype. I remember Keith and I doing our emergency podcast about that, being so excited. Uh, to have this guy on our staff because we thought he'd be the guy that would be able to deal with the star players egos, be a likable guy. He has that clout. He has that respect. Totally, totally blew up in our faces. This feels like to me, a standard basketball decision. And that's wonderful. As a Nets fan who has dealt with all this stuff, all this non-basketball narratives that are flying around every single day, 
to see what feels like just a basketball decision and a good one at that, I might add. Nets still haven't allowed more than 100 points, which if you told me that after the first couple games of the season, uh, I certainly wouldn't have taken that bet, although I would have made a lot of money if I did. It's, it's a breath of fresh air. It's refreshing. And the team has responded to it. I don't know how long the good vibes are going to last. I don't think it's possible to not allow 100 points for an entire NBA season. But as of right now, I am I am I am happy with it. They remove the uncertainty of the email hiring. They remove the interim tag. They say, this is our guy. He's been in the locker room. He's been in the system. He's been around the team and we're going to go with it. And I think at this point, solid, unquestionable moves that are not bringing in new drama. I think I think that's the right answer. Trying to be less of a dumpster fire, right? Getting back to basketball. All this other stuff has nothing to do with the game. There's been plenty of episodes in this early on with talking. That's the season where I'm like, I'm just trying to get back to basketball. I'm in this for the game. I'm not in this for the Twitter beefs. I'm not in this for the narratives. I'm not in this for the the media and all this other stuff. And uh, it's good to get back to basketball. So what I'll also say about Jacques Vaughn, KD commented and, and said something about him simplifying everything. And Hudson was talking about them playing defense. The Nets never play defense. How many years have we watched the Nets and their defense is trash? They, they've got something right now. They're on to something right now. They're keeping guys in front of them. They're communicating. And that, to me, is Jacques Vaughn simplifying how they play defense and also how they play offense. They're moving the ball. They're sharing the ball. Before we went live, we were laughing about Ben Simmons with a put-back dunk and a mean mug. That's another moment where I'm like, what is happening? This is this is Knicks versus Nets. This is New York City battle of the boroughs, and the Nets were ready to just show out. And you got to be happy if you're a Nets fan. It's exactly what the doctor ordered. Like, all of the nonsense that we've gone through over these years, all the nonsense that this season started with, could you imagine if they lost to the Knicks last night? That was one I put that on a Twitter. I was like, do not lose to the Knicks tonight. Because that would have given everyone in New York media, every New York fan, just an extra battery in their back to be like, they're a disaster. What a disgrace. Could have taken now, 20 seconds to laugh at the Nets, that one it, podcast. It's yeah. pretty hilarious, you know, when you think about it. Because of all the mocking and all, you know, rightfully so, by the way. Don't get me wrong. Rightfully so. But of all the mocking of the Nets, through it all, they're still better than the Knicks. And the Knicks just can't beat them. And, and you know, you bring up the defense and, and Jacques Vaughn, and I'm not – saying this to stir the pot i'm not saying this to you know push a narrative or anything i do think it's worth mentioning these games are also without Kyrie, and since kyrie has been suspended the number one defense in the nba statistically he did play they did coincide for one game so it's hard to identify what variable is what but jacques vaughn was the coach for the bulls game Kyrie played in that bulls game And, and like i said before there's something to be said for trusting who's behind you defensively that they're gonna pick up their assignment and then sharing the ball offensively. And now there's only, you know, there's only one hub. It's not a your turn, my turn. There's one hub offensively, and everybody's playing off of that, and the ball is really popping as a result. I mean, we have to talk about it. I got a call last night, and they've just fl- they flat out asked me, are the Nets better without Kyrie? And I said, I'm not ready to say that because I think that erases what Kyrie is on the floor. Like, if you can take out all of the other stuff, Like, Kyrie is a really good basketball player, one of the best basketball players we've ever seen. But with this current version of the Nets right now, don't need them. Don't need them. They are better. 
you they they are better. Like, and that's not a lie to say. The the num- numbers don't lie. Men lie, <laughs> women lie, numbers don't. Uh SNY put up the numbers just in this early season with Kyrie, without. And then also the fact that as much as some of his teammates might love him, his teammates might respect him, he is a huge distraction. You mentioned that Bulls game. I've been saying he sold in that Bulls game, and maybe he didn't mean to sell, but he was a shell of himself. He had four points. He was turning the ball over. They had to sit him down. He couldn't get it done, and that was because the noise was so loud. You could clearly see he was affected, and now Kyrie's nowhere to be found. So I'm using that to segue into this. Alex, if you can cue up some of the uh, protest pictures from last night. I did not go to the game. Evan Roberts went to the game, though, and he was texting me. Um, Positive thing about the game last night, he said, Keith, I've been to a bunch of these games as of you. There's not that many Knicks fans in here. He's like, they're here. Of course, it's New York, but they're not taking over our arena. Before he got into the arena, I mean, there was a lot going on. So Nets Daily, despite everything, a losing record. Kyrie, Nash firing, ETC. The Nets have sold out six of their seven home games this season and have filled 99.2% of Barkley's on average, which is currently 10th in the league. Everyone's going to these games. They're selling out. They tried to float a narrative about season ticket holders not uh, re-upping. Yeah, I wouldn't re-up either if Kevin Durant requests a trade and you don't know who's going to be on the team. And the prices go up. And the prices, of course, go up. That's business. That's part of the plan. But I'll say this. The only game that wasn't a sellout that was 89% was that Pacers game the night that Kyrie got on the podium and was talking about everything else but, like, I don't know, getting mad at Nick Friedel and not apologizing and, and saying what he said. And with him not apologizing, him not being visible, him playing the background, I spoke to you guys about the quote that he had about they're not going to hijack my voice. Nobody's going to hijack my voice. He said that last year around the anti-vax stuff. And since he said that, the anti-vax people protest um, in front of Barclays opening night last year. I was in the middle of that scrum. I physically saw those people with my own eyes. They were chanting, free Kyrie. Uh, my body, my choice, <laughs> like that went on. And then that led to what we saw yesterday with this protest outside of Barclays Center. If you went to the game and you're in the chat, let us know if you saw them. I know it wasn't as big, but I'll say this. Barclays Center from 2020 with the Black Lives Matter protests and uh, just anytime there is a movement or protest, Barclays Center out front is a hub for it. That is where people meet. I swear it's like Facebook groups plot on these like secret protests and they send the time and date and these people come out of anywhere. You could take a train from anywhere and get there. And one of those things popped up tonight and I figured it would, but it is it is super concerning and um, distracting and just not good that now we have people that are anti-Semitic showing up to Brooklyn, basically saying like, let Kyrie play and some other things. Alex, if you can find the uh, Laura Laura Albanese tweet um, or the screenshots from her tweet, she actually had some pictures of them out there in front of the "We Belong Here" sign. It's not; it wasn't that big of a group, but it's still a group of about I don't know ten people with signs with uh, you know anti-Semitic messages. Evan Roberts is on WFAN. I don't know if I could. I, I'm. I don't know. They should be in the uh, in the notes. Alex is working on it. But Evan Roberts opened up Carton and Roberts, the number one radio show in New York, talking about this protest today. And I, I said to the guys, I'm like, we got to talk about it 
because it did happen. The New York Post did report on it. Laura Albanese reported on it, and uh, it's real. So what are you guys thinking now, right? We've got protests outside the arena. Luckily, the Nets go on a West Coast road trip. But it's unfortunate that our Jewish fans, and even if you're not Jewish, our fans are showing up to the arena to see basketball, and they're hearing guys say stuff like the so-called Holocaust and Kyrie this and Kyrie that. It's like, how do we get here? Well, Kyrie got us here. That's number one. Just like Kyrie got you in the other Again. situations. He's the common denominator and everything. That's why, you Again. know, we're talking about um, the list or whatever it is, the conditions for him to come back without the context of he had multiple chances to clean it up. And he's been a bad employee now for several years. Um, you're, you're missing some of the context. I, I wouldn't qualify this as a protest. Really, it was a handful of dudes. I've seen these dudes on a subway for years, you know. Uh, and in New York, what, what's the what's the vibe when you see something like that? You see it, you keep it pushing, yeah, you <laughs> and just go on. So, uh, but until there's a definitive resolution with Kyrie's situation, this will be a subplot um, uh, of the the team. It just will be. You know, LeBron tweeted out what he tweeted out t- today about how you know Kyrie deserves to play and. And and I look, I I I don't want Kyrie never to have a chance to play again. I just and I've been clear about this. I don't want him playing for the Nets anymore because I do believe they're a better basketball team, both for some basketball reasons and for you know the the, the nonsense reasons that we're we're talking about. Until there is a definitive resolution, you know this sort of stuff is is gonna gonna hang around. And yeah, it, it takes away from the game, but it's also a little sensationalist, I think, to cover this as if it is the prominent thing on people's minds or what people are actually experiencing when they're going to the game. Cause I would come out of the, the tunnel at Barclays center, see that go. All right. And, and then walk into the building to watch the game. Yeah. Uh, although that's, that's, that's tough though, because I mean, there are, it, there are some people that have argued that it's not, not everybody has that ability to be able to see something like that and be able to, you know, to shrug it off and to, you know, put their head down and keep moving. I, I I know Jewish people who aren't worried about going to Nets games, not because of the games themselves. Um, obviously, this is seems to be a rising movement that's occurring everywhere. But the fact that it's has become now, even if it's not in a, in a large sense, a hub uh, for people to to have have this kind of demonstration. And it's it's threatening. Um, not only is it is it disrespectful and awful, but those are that that kind of rhetoric leads to and is in its nature violent. And so honestly, the day where we can stop talking about this is, is, is going to be a great day. But, you know, as of right now, other than it being a distraction, it's it's really disappointing because I. You know, there's a lot of talk about whether or not Kyrie makes the Nets a better team if, if he comes and plays and the reality of it is if he was a 2k player if you could drop him in and have all of his statistics and insert whatever 30 points per game x into the lineup that's a better player you don't bet you don't you don't lose from having that but it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth and at the end of the day you know you guys are in the radio and everything but i'm just a fan and i watch this team to have to have fun and to enjoy it and just as the Nets are starting to become a team that I really can enjoy uh, when when I watch them, you know, I, I'm reminded of the fact that this is something that is kind of a specter looming over every other little bit of enjoyment that I can take from the Nets. Uh, and it's just disappointing. And it makes my fan experience just a little bit worse. 
and it's yeah, disappointing. I mean, there's toxicity surrounding it, and, and I, I would <laughs> vote to remove the toxicity. And look, trust me, I get it, Hudson. I, I mean, as a public figure, um, I don't know how to even frame this. I've gotten a lot of anti-Semitic stuff thrown my way, and I'm not even Jewish because people uh-huh. see Berg at the end of my name, and yeah. they just assume I'm Jewish as a result. So they're throwing like, and I'm just like, I don't even know how Celtic, to. Celt- Celtics Celtics fans gave me gave me gave me a lot of that a couple years ago. Celtics fans, for whatever reason, were 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 all up about that a, a couple years ago when I was running the talking Nets Twitter. They think you got the Jewish afro. They think you're Jewish too. <laughs> I mean, well, my I'm whole, laughing about my whole it. Family but... is so. I guess I get it. But geez, come on. Uh, we'll move on from it. But I'm going off firsthand accounts. Um, from what. Evan Roberts told me they were at every door, you know, every entrance, not just the front. And then Doug Barak, who lives in Brooklyn and walks to the games, was live tweeting about it. And he's Jewish. And shout out to Doug. He's been on Talking Nets. Um, scrolling back through his tweets to find uh, – he tweets a lot during the Nets game, so I can't find exactly what he was saying. But he's the first person that tipped me off to it last night. Like, hey, there are people out here protesting. And I like that Laura Albanese, who writes – you know, she didn't call it a protest. She called it a demonstration, which makes it seem smaller. But it's cause and effect. Why do they feel like they can show up to Barclays Center? I mean, I said it is a hub for any type of dem- demonstration protest in the past. But they're there with an extra battery in their back because of Kyrie. Now, uh, can we pull up LeBron's tweet? LeBron's tweet today, I, I, think, I think this. So many people were calling on LeBron James to speak out. And he first did it on camera, on a microphone, in a post game, and he said, "I don't believe in sharing hurtful information." So today he tweeted out around two o'clock, "I told you guys that I don't believe in sharing hurtful information, and I'll continue to be that way." But Kyrie apologized, and he should be able to play. That's what I think. It's that simple. Help him learn, but he should be playing. What he's asked to do to get back on the floor, I think, is excessive, in my opinion. He's not the person that's being portrayed of him. Anyways, back to my rehab session. <laughs> LeBron, Sorry, like, LeBron. I'm just dropping in to let y'all know how I feel. But then I'm getting right out. Uh, like, don't at me. Uh, I'm not going to keep this going. Just saying what I have to say. The king has spoken. I'm out of here. Yeah, but again, this is one of those things where it's devoid of context. And, and I get it. that This is sort of... Um, gaining a little bit of a groundswell, and, and maybe LeBron felt pressured a, a little bit. But w- without the, the fact of Kyrie apologized, sure. After he appeared on camera twice with uh, uh, an ability to apologize and doubled down both times. So when you appear twice and double down twice, and then only after you're suspended and your paycheck is on the line, you have a manufactured thing put out there in print, not on camera like when you double down, the apology might not resonate with people. And then there's the history. The guy has been a bad employee. You know, he's not responding to, to Joe Sy's texts. Uh, Sean Marks said yesterday he hasn't spoken to him. He's only spoken to his representatives. He went MIA a couple of years ago. Last year, even though I would support, you know, the the, the idea behind it in, in the grand scheme of things when we, we have the information we have about COVID – but it had to be Kyrie, the one guy who wasn't able to play, you know, the home games for the team. Not to mention other things that I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting about in between. It, it's not as if this is an isolated incident. And, and to me, it's the, you know, like I said, it's not just about the link, but it's an easy way to sum it up to say it's the link that broke the camel's back. 
And, and, and I think, you know, in, in order for this to go away, the Nets are going to have to, to definitively resolve it once the, the five-game period is over or, or whatnot. And, and the best thing for everybody, because I don't want Kyrie to be blacklisted from the NBA or blackballed, but the best thing for everybody is to move on. Yeah, and yeah. It's, just, it's just tough to move on when he goes ghost, right? It's tough to move on when he is not visible, when he is sending his dad and his stepmom to meet with people, when he is not just taking accountability. That's the biggest thing for me, and I, I'm, I'm going to keep saying it. You, he's got to show up. Things are going to change. Let's see if uh, Alex has the um, Jalen Brown. Well, actually, let's go to the the – Phil Knight Nike um, tweet, right? So Nike co-founder Phil Knight has said the relationship with Kyrie Irving is likely over. It's kind of that simple. He made some statements that, wait, he made some statements. Okay, he made some statements that we just can't abide by, and that's why we ended the relationship, and I was fine with that. Now, I'll say this about Nike. I'm a big Nike fan. Nike is probably, like, I wear all Nike stuff, like, I just think Nike is a ridiculous empire, but they were already done with Kyrie last year. They had some issues with Kyrie last year and uh, Jalen Brown just came out. I think in defense of Kyrie going at Nike, if we have that screenshot, like this thing is starting to evolve and morph and snowball. It's never going to end. So Jalen Brown said, since when did Nike care about ethics? Nike founder, Phil Knight says Kyrie Irving stepped down. Uh, over the stepped over the line when Nets players shared an anti-Semitic film on Twitter. I thought it was going to be more than that about like the Nike sweatshops and all this other stuff. Uh, I think what what we're we're witnessing now, and I put this stuff on my Instagram. I, I put three posts up. It was uh, a, a college student talking about Kanye West and how problematic he is, but also how problematic it is that these companies and these businesses and these people. Uh, we're using this as an opportunity to be really harsh on him and hold him super accountable. And now with Kyrie Irving, I, the first thing I said to you guys was, I don't know how the hell you see what happened to Kanye West and decide you want to dip your foot into that pool. A similar type of thing has happened to him. And now we're getting all these think pieces and people thinking about what is happening to Kyrie and they're coming to his defense. I think it's simple as this, and we'll eventually move on from this um, in this podcast i don't know when we're gonna move on from it in basketball in the nba with the nets like stay tuned folks next time on uh dragon ball z like it's just gonna keep evolving and changing because we don't know what Kyrie feels or things we don't know like Kyrie just tweeted a um fingers crossed emoji and an infinity sign yeah. and we're supposed to know what that means yeah like, don't hijack my voice except for i will never say anything clear and definitive <laughs> everything I, have, I do will be cryptic i have no idea what that meant that was i guess that was coming out of the adam silver meeting but all I'm going to say is this, when you don't come out and speak, it, it leaves it open for everyone else's interpretation, right? For everyone else to come out and either defend or come up with these think pieces and say these things. And what we need is Kyrie, Kyrie, you, you were going live on Instagram during the uh, vaccine stuff to talk and clear the air and, and not let anyone hijack your voice. Where are you at now? I guess he's waiting for all five games of his suspension to pop back out. But now you just see all these different thoughts and takes coming from everywhere, and it's it's shifted into it, something else. And it's ridiculous because his whole, you know, don't hijack my voice thing, I'm thinking about his voice. And the last thing that I remember him saying was, I can't be anti-Semitic. I know where I come from after refusing to apologize, right? 
that's the last those like the last set of words that came out of his mouth right so i'm just i'm waiting for him to say or do something and i think that the steps that joe sai gave were absolutely reasonable we don't need to get you know too deep into it but if you're gonna I think that it's it's reasonable as an employee of a company if you're going to avow some sort of anti-anything views to have to go to at least some sensitivity training and learn a little bit more about it, right? So you can have a path to getting back reasonably. But he hasn't said anything. And it's 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 it might be cowardice, it might be calculated, but whatever it is, it is not helping his case. And it's gonna become some sort of a culture war issue where more people are gonna get involved in it than need be, but at the end of the day, he's not doing anything to stop that, right? He might be doing things behind the scenes, but the problem that he caused and he created was a public problem, and he's not addressing it publicly. And until he does that, I don't think there's no route for him back. Anything on that, Robin, before we start wrapping this up? Yeah, I mean, I want to talk about the the, the Knicks game again, but the, the thing about Nike and the, the these companies, look, this is what happens. Whether right or wrong, it's like a snowball effect. So the ones that actually come out immediately are the ones that are, you know, actually believe in what they're doing. The other ones sort of put their finger in the air and and test the temperature. But once it starts snowballing, that that person then becomes radioactive. And Kyrie is now at that position where he's radioactive. When you go back to Kanye, the moment I knew it was over for Kanye is when he said on camera, um, I can say anti-Semitic stuff and Adidas won't and drop me. me. For everything else he said, that was the moment. For Kyrie, it was the two moments. Kyrie did it twice because he could have cleaned it up and moved on, but he came out and had the thing with Nick Friedle. Then he came out again, and Nick Friedle threw him lobs. Threw him lobs. The, the, the two questions were, are you sorry, was the start of it. And he could have said yes, and he didn't. And the other one was, are you anti-Semitic? And he could have said no, and he didn't. So for all the, like, all everything else that goes around it, this is Kyrie's fault, and people have to like own up to that. Wherever you, whatever you think and feel about him, you know, whatever you believe. I'm not saying we can't have real conversations about that. I'm not saying we can't point out hypocrisies. I'm not saying we can't talk about other issues, relationships between Nike and China, or you know how one employee is punished relative to another employee. All that sort of stuff. But all of that loses the thread of this is a bed that Kyrie made. All right, and we'll close in the next five, ten minutes with uh, thoughts on the Knicks game. I'll say this. Kevin Durant doesn't like the Knicks at all, and I love that. That's why I wore this this Durant jersey yesterday. I woke up, put it on today. I don't care where he ends up, if they end up trading him, if they end up trading Kyrie, if this thing gets blown up. One thing I'll always remember is that he is 21-3 and against the Knicks. He's never lost to them in Brooklyn, never lost. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's booing kids in blue and orange. I love that. Boo. He's trying to turn these kids. And you're hearing, I think Eric Slater put out a tweet saying that he overheard some kids saying, I'm done with the Knicks. I'm officially a Nets fan. That is the turn that has happened over the last few years. The Knicks haven't beat the Nets since pre-pandemic. Rest in peace, Kobe. But if y'all remember the night that Kobe died and Kyrie dipped, That was the last time the Knicks beat the Nets. That's a long time. (laughs) I mean, one of my favorite. Maybe my favorite thing about this Kevin Durant era is how much he leans into the the Knicks-Nets thing and how much he really wants to beat them. And and you notice what he said after the game last night. And it's to your point, Keith. 
I think that one is what really sticks a little bit is when he said, I'm going to give it to any Knicks fan for being a Knicks fan. Knicks fans haven't heard that before because their whole argument has been we're better fans than the Nets. Their argument hasn't been, you know, always be a Knicks town. Yeah, yeah, all that. And now all of a sudden they're starting to get, oh, you're a Knicks fan? And, you know, like kind of like that looking at them. Knicks fan? Ew. Ew. (laughs) Like from this town, right? (laughs) And, and, you know, it's we're now years deep into this. And if you use a voting analogy, like you have a midterm election, right? And then all of a sudden, all these Gen Z voters start coming in and affecting the outcome of the vote. Well, all those Gen Z voters might look at the choice and go, oh, it's easy. I'm a Nets fan, not a Knicks fan. So that's part of it. And then there's the the other part of it where the Knicks fans are always boosting up their young players and talking about all their young players. And this is, I think, something that's very important for both the current state of the Nets and what the Nets could eventually be. I think the Nets young players are better than the Knicks young players. You know, Nick Claxton is the best young player amongst both teams. He's legit, man. It, this is he's a beast. Year. He's a beast. I think Edmund Sumner has real potential. It's another reason I, I you know, don't want to see. can kind of chill yeah, for a yeah, second. Yeah. <laughs> right? He can handle yeah. it. Let me see what Sumner can develop into because he has straight uh, line drive ability that the, the Nets have not had. Straight to the rim. If he can hit those corner threes, he, he plays good defense. He plays hard. He hustles. Cam Thomas, we know what he can do as a scorer. He's basically born to be a sixth man. So all of a sudden, you're seeing the rest of this roster. I like Obi Toppin for the Knicks. But besides that, I don't see how you say, aside from even the superstars, that the, the Nets don't have better building blocks than the, the Knicks even excluding Kevin Durant, who is now playing at an MVP level and maybe the best he's played in a Nets uniform. But has that ever been the conversation during this era? It's never been a basketball conversation, right? It's never been that any way that the Knicks can compete on the court. There's no statistic that they can put out that says, you know, the Knicks are somehow a better team than the Nets. It's all about, you know, like like he said, who who runs the city? This will always be a Knicks town. You play in, you know, the a, a worse borough. They They've been known that it's not about basketball and at, at this point it's it's more of like a cultural rivalry than anything but if you're a kid growing up and you don't have ties to any specific team why would you want to be a fan of the Knicks right like they look dead out there I don't I, I don't their fans didn't cheer right everyone I talked to said this was the day this was the day that we've been waiting for where it's Knicks versus Nets and Knicks fans don't flood our arena and be louder than us. There were games last year that I was at where they were close when we beat them for the sixth time in a row. The seventh time came in the garden, but when we beat them for the sixth time in a row last year, I was there. Knicks fans were loud. They were into it. I think it was a weekend game. That's dead now. That's done now. The the Nets fans that chose to be Nets fans at age 8, 9, 10, 11, they grew up. It's year 10. Those kids are 18, 19, 20, 21 now. They're adults. They can buy a ticket and go to the game. You get a KD triple-double. We haven't mentioned Seth Curry yet, but having Seth Curry like that, that version of like step back, three, wet, like getting him the ball. Ben Simmons found him. I'm I'm like, what is going on? What got into (laughs) these guys? Even having Joe Harris, what I saw last night was that the Nets had way more experience on the floor than those young guys did for the Knicks, right? They might have a 65-year-old coach. They might have um, 100 years of being in New York. When they stepped on the floor with the Brooklyn Nets, Royce O'Neal, Seth Curry, Joe Harris, Katie's in year 16, 
that's just a world of experience that they can't match. And these guys were motivated. KD said they have self-pride. They went out there with a lot of pride to protect Brooklyn, the borough, the fans, but really to protect themselves against the, the negativity and the New York hate that would come their way. Jacques Vaughn gets the first win as head coach on the day that they announced him as head coach, and those guys play the best game of the season, in my opinion, last night. Wait for it. The city's under new management. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Ben Simmons, you mentioned him. Obviously, it's great to see Seth Curry back and getting a rhythm. Um, and, you know, hopefully the, this team can – can get all the way fully healthy. I, I really want to see what TJ Warren can bring because they, they do need another guy who can break you down and, and create the, their own shot. And maybe he is who can step in in that role. But speaking of roles, I do want to give Ben Simmons a little credit. I thought that was the best game Ben Simmons has played as a net. You know, he grabbed a rebound in traffic, kicked it out for a three. He made a bad play, but then ran back and, and hustled to get a steal. He had a tip dunk. And I, and I think Ben is starting to find a role. And now we have to recast Ben Simmons in our mind, at least for now. You know, this is not a star player, clearly, that the, the Nets have. But can he be a useful player? And, and Ben is starting to figure out how he can be a useful player in that backup center role doing what he does well. Yeah, and I think Jacques Vaughn is coaching him well. Uh, it's, it's early returns, obviously. But simple changes that we've seen from regime to regime. You don't put him and Nick Claxton on the floor at the same time, right? It's it, it's these simple changes that one are up to coaching Call and two. Call a timeout when they right. made that run and it out. looked like they were. He's like, all right, timeout. We're gonna we're right. gonna slow things down. Yeah, Steve yeah, Nash yeah, could never do that too, on time. Animated there, exactly though. <laughs> it's 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 a new regime. It's a new regime, and things are things are moving in a positive direction. And I think I don't know if it was on the podcast or before, but Robin saying. I'm excited to talk Nets. I'm excited to watch Nets basketball. Let me tell you, I was so excited for opening day. And then that like went away. That was gone for, for a couple, and for quite gone. a few games, weeks. <laughs> and now it's back. And and it's really wonderful. It's really, really enjoyable. And now we got this West Coast. And I don't want to hop ahead of Keith's you know, schedule for the show. But this West Coast trip is going to be really interesting. It's going to be really interesting if you can stay up for the for these late games. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see the way the Nets play against some bad teams in the Lakers, uh, even though they masquerade as, as trying to be a good team, and an up-and-coming team in the Kings, it's, it's going to be really interesting, and it's going to be really, really exciting, I think, which is just such a nice change of pace. So that's how we'll close. Um, injuries and looking ahead. So injury-wise, uh, Yuta Watanabe, he had his MRI on Wednesday. It came back clean. He's hoping to be back in the next couple days. So we avoided a big one there because when he went down, I'm thinking this guy either broke or sprained his ankle. I thought ankle, he was done. And I'm like, damn, I'm like, he's going to be out for a couple months, two, you know, a couple weeks into two months. No, it could be something that you ice him up and he's able to get taped up and be back out on the floor. We need him. He was doing well. And then TJ Warren, um, I read that. Let me see where it is. With TJ Warren, nothing new. This is what Jacques Vaughn said last night in the uh, postgame. Nothing new. He'll get some more work on the road. When we head out west, good thing is he's on the court progressing. Chris Milholin, uh, our guy, put that out there. He used to do the podcast with Doug Barrett. Shout out to Chris. So they're traveling, right? I, I think Utah is going to travel with the team. I think TJ is going to tra travel with the team. This is going to be a bonding experience for these guys. And when the show started, I said they're going to play some good teams. I think the Clippers are a competitive team. I don't know if they're a good team, but they'll face them Saturday, and then they'll stay in L.A. 
and back-to-back in the Staples Center, they'll face the Lakers. They should be able to beat the Lakers Sunday. The Lakers are going through some things. they got to beat the brakes off the Lakers. That's Alex, be a, Alex a just put in the back. chat that uh, Chris Haynes reported that the Lakers are known to covet covet Bradley Beal. Okay, this we'll is, see what we're happens. Do, we're doing that four, year, four years in a row we're doing that? Yeah. yeah. We, how many times? Everyone covets Bradley Beal. He plays for the Wizards. They've been trying to get him out there since uh, 2016. Um, the Kings, an interesting team. They beat the Wizards, or no? They should have. Um, they be, uh, they beat the Wizards. They should have no. beat the Warriors. They should have beat the cl- Warriors. A tight game with the Warriors, but with Sabonis and uh, Red Velvet and De'Aaron, De'Aaron Fox, Fox and they have a couple guys on there. So I don't, I'm not looking at them as an easy win. Uh, yeah, they just beat the Cavs last night. Thanks, Alex. I did see that. And then they got the Trailblazers. The Trailblazers have a good record. They've been hot. They look different this year. Um, they've got. Obviously, uh, Dame Lillard, who's been in and out with injury, but they've got a better cast around him. So this is going to be a test. Alex, can you pull up the white Basquiat jerseys? How many years since the Basquiat jersey year 2020 into 2021? We saw the black Basquiat jerseys. And then there was like some fans making fake ones. But I'll say this. Kevin Durant. Do loves they have blue checks? Do they have blue checks? The fake ones? <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I think the Brooklyn Nets official Twitter put these out today. But the Nets have the best uniforms. I love when they throw on the ABA uniforms. The new ABA ones they have ones so clean. They're just dope. Like I, I want to get one, but I don't know who to trust on this team. I think I'm going to get a Mr. Whammy number one. I think I'm going to get a Mr. Whammy number one. Well, that's and, a legend. Uh, Mr. Whammy was working last does, night. Does, they were does, missing free throws. Mr. Whammy yeah. was was going to work. He was controlling what he could control out does, there. Does Mr. Whammy's number get? Does he get? Does that get put in the rafters? Yeah, Mr. I mean, Mr. Whammy won. D'Lo doesn't if deserve the, it. it. D'Lo doesn't even know how to check into the game. If the if the <laughs> he, if the Heat can put Michael Jordan in their rafters, like for just out of homage, you know, I think we could put Mr. Whammy's number. Mr. Whammy. Well, that figures into the popularity, though, no, right? Like, you know, if, if the Nets can ever go on a real extended run that people can feel good about, you know, there's there is something to the the word cool that Kevin Durant used, um, and and that does play in because the white Basquiat's in my mind are fire. The the ABA whatever ones we're talking about are are, are really clean. I mean, like there there's just a lot of the, the even the basics match everything. So yeah. there there is a lot to be said about. The Nets gear, you just don't want a team that the only thing you can celebrate is the gear. You want to be celebrate the pe- people that are wearing the gear. And we all can see it, man. If you're watching the difference in this team with how they're passing, how they're playing defense, how they're communicating, they were smiling the whole game last night. That shows you these guys are having fun getting back to basketball. They're basketball players. And ultimately, that's all we're in this for, right? We're fans. We want to see them win. We want to see what they can become. And now they've just hit a little plot twist here, right? Kyrie may or may not come back. I'll say this. If Kyrie can, I don't know, comply with what he needs to do, I I can't really speculate on how it's going to go. But I would welcome him back if he decides that he wants to make it about basketball. There is the new Basquiat, the white Basquiat. I want one. I couldn't get the black one last time. I think I was just broke. And when they went on sale, I, I couldn't afford it. And then when I did go to a game, they were all out of them. I have no Basquiat gear, and I have every other, you know, thing. So I'm definitely going to get one of these Basquiat's. I just got to get Mr. Whammy, or maybe I'll just get a McPherson um, personalized one because you don't don't know this team could be blown up. Trades happen. Like, I remember I wanted a Karis LeVert jersey. Uh, My boy Twitchy has a Jared Allen jersey he still wears. Thought Jared Allen was going to be here for a long time. But that's all we've got, folks. That's it. 
uh, coming up on about 45 minutes here. Uh, what I'll say is the vibes are different. The vibes have changed. And uh, we'll wait and see what happens with all the extra stuff on the outside. But we've got some late night games coming up this weekend and into next week, this West Coast trip. Let's see what the Nets do. You know, they went on the road and they went two and one on the road. They almost beat Luka and the Mavs in the game that they lost. They're going to contend. They're going to compete. And that's all we can hope for. Anything else you guys got to add to this episode of Talking Nets? I mean, like it, it just it, it, vibes. That's uh, let's keep the, the good vibes going. And, and that's why, you know, I, I won't put any more. I won't even say anything negative about anybody. Right? You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll end on good vibes. I've already expressed w- what I feel. I'm going to have fun watching a fun team. Look Let's win to some it. games. Let's go Nets. Let's go Nets. Brooklyn. Brooklyn. We're out.